0: I'm Travis Bader, and this is the Silvercore Podcast. Join me as I discuss matters related to hunting, fishing, and outdoor pursuits with the people and businesses that comprise the community. If you're new to Silvercore, be sure to check out our website, www.silvercore.ca, where you can learn more about courses, services, and products that we offer, as well as how you can join the Silvercore Club, which includes $10 million in North America wide liability insurance to ensure you are properly covered during your outdoor adventures. In this episode, the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia has taken it upon themselves to step up and be the change that they want to see when it comes to protecting hunting rights in BC. They are a small nonprofit organization that is carrying a heavy load. And this episode is designed to help them get their message out, as well as to involve you, the listener in an effort to crowdsource solutions as we move forward. A quick reminder to check out the over $6,000 firefighter training package at the training division in Texas that the Silvercore Club is giving away. Check out our website for details. We're live. Today I'm speaking with Steve Hamilton and Greg Rensmag of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, as well as the Talk is Sheep podcast about predator hunting and the social license to hunt. Gentlemen, welcome to the Silvercore podcast.
1: Thanks Thanks for for having having us.
0: So, why don't you two provide a little bit of background on this whole social license to hunt? This is a new thing for me. I've been doing some research. I'm learning about social license to operate and what all of that entails. How did this come about?
2: Do you want to take this one, Greg? <laughs>
1: uh, I can you're back pretty well versed.
0: Sure.
2: Well, ba- basically, social license is exactly what it sounds like. What is socially acceptable in our times? Uh, as we as we've seen, there is a lot of emotionally charged uh, imagery out there. Whether or not it's regards to hunting, fishing, or just anything in general, we've all seen those commercials out there on Christmas where they've got the the polar bears and they're coming into the the. The, have uh, Coca-Cola with the family and you're seeing the Charmin bears and they're advertising toilet paper. So they're essentially putting the cute and cuddly on what is a wild animal. Mm. And their argument around that is that uh, the, these, these these animals are sentient beings, they have families and they're, they're trying to essentially demonize what is a illegal and ethical practice managed by science and the mm. social license means we, we need the, the voting support to, to, to continue what we do. And that's what they're going after right now.
0: Got it. So thinking about social license, and I think I've told this story before on the Silvercore podcast, but I can remember a number of years ago and the corporation of Delta at the time before it became the city of Delta went and decided they did not want any other firearms businesses in, in Delta. And so they had a big meeting at the town hall and I came in armed with all my facts and all my stack of papers. And I started, they gave me a forum. I started talking and about, I don't know, five minutes into it. One of the individuals stands up says, Travis, hold on a second. Do you have much more of this? Like I do. Why he said. Well, let me tell you, I 100% agree with everything you're saying, all the facts that you're spitting out. I agree with 100%, but here's the thing. If we think that our constituents want us to ban firearms businesses from Delta, then we have to take a look at banning firearms businesses from Delta. And I was mm-hmm. flabbergasted. I think it was yeah. in my, I don't know, it was uh late twenties, mid, mid to late twenties. And I never had that level of honesty from mm-hmm. a, a political type. And I had no rebuttal to that. I right. none of the stats, none of the numbers made any sense. It was, do we feel that people may want us to ban the firearms businesses in Delta? And it sounds like the exact same thing that's happening here.
2: That that's exactly what it is. And, uh, what, what people have now realized is that when a politician is elected, they're essentially their employee, right? Mm -hmm. So the voters can dictate whether or not they, they hire or fire. So they do listen to the social license. They do listen to the push and they have acted on it before, which I imagine we'll get into a bit later with the grizzly bear hunt.
0: That's right. Yeah. Well, we can, we can talk right now. Sure. The, the grizzly bear hunt, they put a moratorium on hunting grizzly bears in British Columbia. They said ban, can't, can't hunt grizzly bears in British Columbia, but if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it Based on something that happened in Alaska, some sort of social media outcry that happened in Alaska. Might right on there that was one? A,
1: a a poor taste video that mm-hmm. was out there of a a bear not having the the quickest death. Yeah,
2: yeah. Greg and I admin a couple of uh, hunting websites, and as soon as that got posted, we both messaged each other and went, "Oh, here we go." It yeah. uh, it it did us no favors, and uh, yeah, that w- this. It was used to further an emotional agenda for a scientific argument. Uh, mm-hmm. And what it all boils down to is that social license. As hunters, uh, we, we strive to be the the, the quickest, most, most ethical kill for our our, our uh, quarry. Mm-hmm. And when we see something like that, we know, well, number one, it's what the hell are you doing posting that on social media? And, and two, it's oh damn, this is going to be used to further an agenda. Mm. So when, when they did close the grizzly bear hunt, it was on, it was on, uh, well, I'll be straight lies. Uh, they originally put out as their platform that they were going to ban the trophy hunt only. Mm. And they put it out to public input and said, what that trophy hunt looks like is a meat retention, which every hunter I ever talked to, was on board with, to put it on par with black bears and remove the hide in the head, and which is on par with black bears. So uh, vote, vote goes down, they get in, uh, the legal hunt for the LEH closes November 30th. And all of a sudden, December 17th, uh, 2017, just before the, the legislature, legislature sat for Christmas, they went, the hunt is closed. So they yanked it out completely on us. And that's what we're concerned about here with the, uh, act now campaign is because we'll, they've, they've, uh, got an inch
0: and they're going to go for the full mile. So can you fill me in on the act now campaign? You want to take this, Greg?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So just right now there's organized efforts by multiple groups to try to stop our privilege to hunt the large carnivores and BC and our, um, uh, specifically named are wolves cougars and black bears uh mountain sheep and elk have also been listed as trophy animals so that kind of that's how the grizzly bear hunt so that that's how the grizzly bear band started was listing it as a trophy hunt so Mm. that puts all of them in jeopardy um and we're just we're looking for the hunting community to kind of come together and stand up for science-based wildlife management with us so
2: yeah and it's As Greg said, it's about science-based management. No hunter out there uh, or conservationist wants to see extirpation or extinction of a species at all. If science dictated that a hunt needed to be closed due to numbers, we'd be going, hell yeah, we back that 100%. And uh, former minister of Flinroe, when the the hunt was closed for the grizzly, uh, Doug Donaldson, said it wasn't about numbers. It wasn't about science and he admitted that it was populism and the vote saying that is what was closing it. And that's what we're up against again. Uh, it's it, We we owe it to wildlife to manage it properly. And where the disconnect a lot of people seem to, to get, unfortunately, is they say, let nature balance itself. And they they forget and they remove themselves from being a part of nature. We have an impact as human beings you live in a house you drive a vehicle you walk on a road you ride a bicycle no matter what you're having an impact on nature and we we need to to manage accordingly and that's what act now is about it's not just about hunting it's about seeing wildlife managed properly
0: I um, was speaking with Shane Mahoney recently mm-hmm. and he's saying, so you know who Shane is, we I do. think was a keynote speaker at uh, one of your events a couple of years ago, actually. Yeah. yeah. And he says, you know, people will ask me, how can you have these feelings and be a hunter? How can you care mm-hmm. for the wildlife like this and be a hunter? And he says, it's not a question of there being a different set of rules for me as there is for the wildlife. That's right. the reality is, is I am one of them. That's right. And the idea of being of us humans being socially removed from this whole uh, from wildlife and nature, I, I, I guess it's a nice altruistic thought, but it's not in line with reality. And and that's what it's about, right? It's, so that's where people forget that. So you guys have a it, it's not a petition, no, but it, but it's a. Uh, a form. I filled this out. What would you guys call it?
2: Uh, a letter. Uh, yeah. An organized letter campaign.
0: Okay. And this organized letter campaign can be found on your website. That's yeah. right. Uh,
2: uh www.wildsheepsociety.com forward slash act. Now uh, we've typed that out so many times. It's pro- it's probably ingrained in, uh, my subconscious and basically <laughs> it's, it's 15 to 20 seconds of your time. You, you click enter. And the website populates for you. You've got to enter your name, first name, last name, and your email address. Mm -hmm. An email address isn't for us. It's for the elected official to be able to respond to you. We've had a couple of people say that they're concerned about getting spam emails from us. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So your first name, last name, uh, your email address. So the elected official can contact you. And then there's a drop down where you can put in the email address of your MLA. So no matter who it is, you can put it in there. And the cool thing is we've made it so anybody who stands with us that doesn't necessarily live in British Columbia can have a stance. There's a not applicable email address. So these emails will still go to uh, Premier Horgan, uh, Minister of Flynnrow and a couple others saying, we stand with uh, science-based wildlife management. And that, and that's the key there because it's, as I said, it's not just about hunting. It's about anybody who stands with sound wildlife management and wants to see wildlife in perpetuity. So whether or not you are a, a, a tourist that comes up from the United States and just love to see uh, moose on the landscape, Or if you're a wildlife photographer who enjoys seeing wild sheep throughout Spence's bridge area, you can have a stand in this as well. And we need anybody who, uh, who, who wants to see it in perpetuity
0: to, to sign. So right now the big hue and cry is around wolves, if I'm not mistaken, predominantly about uh, predator hunting, but wolves. That's correct. It's,
2: uh. It's the one that people can grab onto easily because uh, they they look like your pet dog, right? They're the same family, but you hear about it all the time, right? Uh, They're they're not as cute and cuddly as we'd love them to believe, right? I've seen dozens of wolves on the landscape and they're one of the most beautiful animals out there and completely love them and respect them. They are the, the, the majestic, Beings that they're portrayed to be, but I'm pretty sure anybody out there that uh, knows the reality, like Greg, will back up on this. But what makes a wolf more important or more beautiful in the landscape than, say, a caribou that we're watching go extinct in certain population units because of uh, predation? So it's they, they've they've escalated wolves up here because of the cute and cuddly factor. I'm mm-hmm. guessing, and because it's it's a uh, it's something easy to grab a hold of.
0: Sure. You don't see the save the spiders campaign, right? No, no. My wife would kill me if I ever backed that.
1: <laughs> Get them but,
0: all. <laughs> exactly. So I understand that this letter writing, you've got it I so easy, mm-hmm. just a couple of minutes. They put their information in and we'll put links on our website and we'll put links up on the YouTube channel and, and through social media. What's the traction been like?
1: I got, uh, as of 1 PM today, we're at, uh, 9,492 letters or people that signed up, which equates to 47,460 letters that have been sent to the different levels of government.
0: And that's 9,000 out of 115,000
1: hunters. Yeah. yeah. Less than so 10 pretty, pr- pretty dismal since we started this, what, February 25th at launch?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And one of the the most concerning things, I guess, is that I know I have, and Greg has, and a few others have uh, faced pushback by the hunting community themselves saying that they don't believe we're under attack. And we've got direct quotes from people saying, well, we should have to get uh, trapping licenses to, to hunt predators, or we will never ever lose a black bear hunt. And we just go... Did you not see the grizzly bear hunt? They've got the inch. They're going to take the mile and they're going to chip away. They're Mm. absolutely going to chip away because on some of these pages, I've seen quotes from anti uh, organizations and their members say, uh, nobody will hike for 14 days to get a goat and bring out all 60, 70, 80 pounds of meat. So you know where they're going with that. Goats, goats, and sheep because they're trophy. Right. And mm. I could, I could show them a freezer full of bear and deer and you name it. And they're still going to look for holes to punch in there. And it's, we, as you said, hunters love wildlife. We do not want to see it go extinct or, or extirpated in any population unit. And this is about so much more than, than hunting.
0: So. Is the, do you have a multi-pronged approach to a rebuttal to the uh, attack against seed, the, the predator hunting, or is this a singular prong?
2: We're in phase two right now. Uh, okay. with the, the idea is to, uh, in June, we're going to take these physical letters and present them to elected officials in Victoria. How that's going to look with COVID restrictions, we're not sure. But the idea is to take every single letter printed off and go, hopefully on the back of a forklift and go, this is how many people stood up to say it's time to, to listen to the scientists. So um, yeah, we do have a multi-stage, a multi-prong. We, we started with the online campaign just to kind of get the ball rolling out there. And then uh, we've now got ads on Uh, wild tv and sportsman channel to get another market there uh we've got a couple other approaches where we've got them into uh, physical letters into mom and pop gun stores and we're looking at other ways to reach people that are off of social media and uh put put letters in front of them that they can actually sign themselves and as i said we're in phase two we have a phase three that we're working on and uh yeah, we're, we're going to continue to, to listen to the feedback from, uh, concerned hunters, anglers, sports shooters, uh, and anybody who's got a vested interest in seeing wildlife on the landscape for how they think, uh, we could, uh,
0: potentially approach uh, mm-hmm. other people. So when, uh, getting ready to do this podcast, I've actually done a fair bit of thinking on the problem and I don't have a solution, but I thought it would be an interesting endeavor anyways to discuss different options and perhaps crowdsource through the different listeners. And they can say, Hey, Mm -hmm. you've got a point or you're totally off base, but maybe think about this over here. And in thinking about it, it seemed to me that the best approach would be to come up with something that wasn't secret that was out in the open. And it's easy Mm -hmm. for everybody to kind of get behind because I agree with you. I have seen the creep, the creeping yeah, uh, legislation, I've seen the creep in anything that's considered to be, um, socially reprehensible. That's right. Uh, I come from the firearms community and mm-hmm. we've seen a few generations of socially engineered people come through to equate the firearm with being evil. That's you don't right. see a campaign and say ban Mercedes Benz because they're getting <laughs> mm-hmm. all these, these people are getting behind the wheel and, and hurting people when they've had a few drinks. Yeah you don't see uh, vehicular manslaughter. they don't turn that's around right. and say ban cube vans because it the inanimate object doesn't have the the social stigma that that's has right. been put onto firearms that's right in the in the uh, what you guys are dealing with right now, as I look at it, it looks like there's an individual, Chris, wrote a paper. was it 2018?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, 2018 just after, yeah, after the grizzly bear hunt, uh, that all this really started to, to, to gain traction. Yeah.
0: Okay. But that paper really didn't see any traction until no, just didn't. recently.
2: That's right. Yeah. It's called social, uh, large carnivores and a social license to hunt. It ended up on, uh, uh, a site and it was sent to me and I went, whoa, and had a real good look at it. And there was some trigger words in there. And, uh, I'll be the first one to say he is very intelligent and very good at what he does. He's got a great crowd of people behind him, backing him. Uh, you got Kyle Artel, Paul Picat, and a bunch of the other big wigs that they, they've got some, 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 chops with them.
1: Mm. And,
2: but the buzzwords I was noticing in there were, were not just the wolves and black bears that they target and cougars, but they've also thrown in there in, in veiled sort of hints that bighorn sheep and elk have trophy value so as as we said that death by a thousand cuts well if they if they've named five animals and we give them one are we gonna go is their argument going to be okay well if you give us wolves we'll leave the others alone absolutely not because it's going to end up being four more and then it'll be well you give us one we'll leave the other three and that's what we're being uh uh, proactive about because uh, hunters for the longest time have flown under the radar and not been proactive. We've been pretty reactive. Like I know when I lived in the mainland and you you can probably vouch to this yourself, Travis, when you uh, go out to your vehicle to go to the range, you, you, you look outside to make sure, is it okay to walk out with my uh, firearm in a case, mm-hmm. you, 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 you check who's watching you. For the most part, for the most part, because I have heard horror stories about uh, people in, in uh, Yale town walking to their, from their condo to their vehicle with their firearms, Mm -hmm. perfectly legal and getting taken down at at gunpoint because somebody saw them uh, doing something, which is perfectly legal that they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So hunters grown up, hell, not too long ago, 30, 35 years ago, it was commonplace to see a in the mainland, a, a deer strapped to the front of a car and you'd mm. wave and somebody would stop at a gas station. You'd have pictures with it. Now you do that and you end up on social media as a murderer, right? People want mm. your license plate and you get death threats mm. and we're, we're being proactive for a, uh, for a change, right? We're, we know there's no legislation formally right now, but we know the wheels are turning and they've got the ear of government. So we're trying to say, hey, you know what? it's our turn to to speak up. So yeah, it's, the, the paper came out in 2018 and, uh, they've sat on it for three years, but we know it's coming. So we're trying to, trying to beat them to the punch, so to speak.
0: You know, how many people were really aware of that paper or of Chris in general prior to this?
2: Lots of people were aware of Chris and, uh, his organization. However, I don't think they were aware to the extent of influence they've had. uh, Yeah. Like, like I said, they're he's been around for a while. He's a professor at UVic. He's uh, with his organization there and yeah, he's the, they, they, uh, they have some swing. They've they got some chops with them, but yeah, the lots knew who he was, but I don't think they understood the influence that they've had.
0: Now, I, I don't know if you know who Dan Fritter is, he's uh, the owner of caliber magazine mm-hmm. and yep. was talking with him about some issues on the firearm side. And he says, yep. I'm not even going to bother responding. Everyone says, Dan, how can, co- how come you don't write about it in your magazine? Why don't you put this up on, on Facebook or on your website? He says, look at them. They have 300 followers. I have whatever X number, large right. number more. Why am I going to elevate their profile mm-hmm. by shining more light on them and allowing them to use my platform in that's order right. to get further. That's right. I think that perhaps that is part of the tactic that's currently being played right now by, uh, by Chris and the, and the organization there, and I haven't been using his last name and I haven't yeah, been yeah. in the organization. It's yep. up to you guys if you'd like to, but I, I believe that's part of the, the tactic yep. is to Try and piggyback.
2: Oh, absolutely it is. They've got one hell of a following and I'm doing the same thing you are. We're not elevating them. If anybody who knows, they know by listening. Sure. Um, But yeah, they've, they've got one hell of a following on social media. Uh, You you only have to look at a couple of their petitions. There's one, what was it three weeks ago, Greg? It had, it was just about, it was just strictly centered around wolves. 500
1: and. Yeah, it was like 504 or 503,000 already. Yeah.
0: And that's just one of them.
1: And their, their so, Cougar one was what, 50 or 30? Shooting for 50?
0: Yeah. Like, and, uh, and that was on a, uh, just a social media post? Just a social media post.
2: Yeah. Right, so they've, they've got traction. And we're trying to, like like I said, Greg and I admin a bunch of different pages. we got, between us, probably 200,000 people we admin. And whenever we post anything like this, we try to be strategic and cross out where it's from, who's posting it. And we always make a disclaimer, don't engage them, don't mm. give them any traction, but this is what they're doing because hunters it's, it's, it's emotive, right? It really, really is emotive. And our, our, privilege to hunt is under attack. And a lot of people don't take too well to that. So they will use screenshots. Uh, they will, they'll bait you. They're really, really good at it. Uh. Couple of years ago, I did uh, before they before uh, they uh, went full on with the grizzly bear hunt ban. I did an uh, uh, interview for, I believe it was C- CBC and uh, the province, just talking about grizzly hunting, and I ended up with death threats. My family ended up with death threats, and it was it. it if the shoe was on the other foot, imagine if a firearms owner did that, Travis. If uh, firearms owner went to somebody and said, we're going to kill you type thing. How, how would that be taken by the the general public? You'd be front and center
0: on every
1: news network.
0: Exactly. Got it. Exactly. So, And this organization, they did kind of talk about the caribou numbers, didn't they? And essentially, didn't they say, who cares? They did, they did. Great point. I'm glad you brought that up
2: because they, they did say essentially who cares? They're gone. Just leave them alone. Let them go. They don't. They're not going to make it, let them go. And as I said, why are wolves more important than the caribou, right? I, I, I don't get that as
0: a conservationist, you want to see them all. So as I spent some time trying to think about this and I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm trying to decompile it. And I think you guys, well, I'm, I'm fairly certain you, your organization and you guys are correct in so much as saying. They're looking at this, but they have an ulterior motive. They'd Mm -hmm. like to go further. And when you talk about some veiled language, it doesn't sound very veiled to me. It's it's pretty plainly written. And I think anybody with the benefit of hindsight would turn around and look at it and say, yeah, they're talking about it back in 2018. They're talking Mm -hmm. about it further. So essentially it sounds like hunters have been trying to fight an emotional ban, an emotional Response and they're trying to use science. How's that been working out?
2: Uh, it's 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 a tough one. It's a tough one because we're consumptive users, right? We go into the back country uh, for the experience and to try and harvest an animal, and the the ultimate goal is to put something in your freezer. And we know as hunters that it's it's managed by the best available science there is out there. So for They use it to, uh, uh, they they use emotion to try and portray us as murderers. So we go, no, 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 we're not murderers. This is managed by science, and we don't. if, If we push back with emotion, it's it's a tough battle. Like I'll be straight, it's a tough battle. So we try and say, it's a so it's a scientifically managed hunt. But here is our connection to it. It's about that there's a, there's 160,000 black bears estimated in British Columbia. A quarter of all the bears in North America reside here in British Columbia. That's a great argument to counteract Well, they're cute and cuddly. And uh, there's, there's not enough of them because they do, you, you see it everywhere. Wolves are endangered. Black bears are endangered. Cougars are endangered. And if we can counteract with a little bit of science And then throw in the emotion of that connection. It's, it's hopefully going to go a long way.
0: So one thing that I was thinking about was what if you don't counteract with the science, the science is very, very important. Have the science as a basis for something that you can rely upon and you can hold up. But what if it isn't done from a scientific perspective and by it, I mean, what if the uh, rebuttal isn't done from a scientific perspective and what I'm thinking is essentially, uh, we're in a losing situation. The battle that's being fought is an, we're in an untenable position. You cannot defend when the argument has already been framed in such a way that hunting is bad, firearms are bad. I mean, to the non hunter is a person that you have to get this information in front of maybe instead of trying to hold the science out and say, but look at, look at the numbers over here and look how the science and one side said that the grizzly bears would all be wiped out at this rate. And that didn't really work out the way that they figured, uh, the science that the hunters have been accumulating is actually good. Sure. What if instead you take a look at reframing the argument in a way that essentially makes the motive of the other side, very clear. I mean, like if we were to strip down what the end goal is from this paper and this push to end predator hunting, what if we take that to the absolute nth degree and start identifying what animals should be harvested and what animals shouldn't, I bet you as you push it down, they would turn around and say, well, I don't think any animal should be harvested. I think as you push them further and further in that conversation, it would just come down to, I don't necessarily think hunting is an inalienable right. Even though in the paper they do say for an indigenous group, yes, that's your inalienable right, but for everybody else, no, we'll play nice on this side, but the other side, you know, we, we want some support and you took a look at it for the extremist Uh, essentially emotional terrorism that it is, I think it'd be harder for people to get behind that. And in the day and age of, uh, anti-bullying being out in the forefront, the tactics and the way that it's being portrayed, I mean, hunters aren't bloodthirsty savages, but there is that idea out there that a hunter has a firearm, a firearm is violent firearm causes things to die. So in the approach of taking a look at the other side of their argument and really fleshing out what they're looking at, a twofold solution, I was thinking anyways, was to separate the hunter from the argument. And what I say that, because if you, and bear hold with me, cause I don't have it completely figured out, but I have some thoughts on it. But you're never going to get all the hunters to play nice. They're going to have people who say, well, I'm, I'm only a small game hunter. or I'm only a bird hunter, or I'm only a, whatever it might be. So why bother trying to get all of the hunters on the same page as it goes forward, when they throw a picture up of somebody doing something that's either illegal or maybe just in very poor taste, all hunters wear that. So what if you separate the hunter from there? So if somebody does do that, that's the drunk driver. Not all drivers drive drunk, not all people who get drunk drive, Then there is a, there is a very logical separation there. So if you take a look at the actual, uh, end goal of what the other side is trying to do, and then painted it in such a way that it shows it for what it is. I have a few more thoughts on that, but I've been talking for a bit. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you, uh, jump in here.
1: Uh, one of the, the issues with that, um, you know, everybody's getting p- painted with that broad brush. So like, even if you look in the mainstream media, if there's a poacher out there and, you know, a hundred percent convicted poacher, the mainstream media, majority of them will still call them a hunter, mm-hmm. right? And it's, well, you're not a hunter. You're a poacher. It's illegal activities. Most of right. us don't do that. There's those, every, every activity has got a bad egg. Right. So it's, yeah. and, and we always seem to get painted with that brush. And then, uh. You can't escape it. No, exactly. no, you can't for sure. And it,
2: it's the same thing with the, the way they, they say trophy hunt. And if you right. ask a non-hunter what a trophy hunt is, it's somebody who goes out there and shoots the biggest animal they can and only takes the antlers or the horns or the hide. And we Mm -hmm. tell them, no, that's a poacher. And Mm -hmm. we're trying to, they've demonized the word trophy. And, uh, there's been studies out there that even when you break it down into a selective hunter, which we prefer to use where somebody goes out there and they target the biggest animal possible to get, uh, the reward of the, the trophy parts, whether right. or not it's the antlers or the hide, they, they, they break it down. And I believe it was less than 4% of hunters identify as a quote unquote trophy hunter. Mm. So we're, we're trying to uh, to delineate and show the separation between what a trophy hunter is under their definition versus what is under our definition. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect lay. So we do use the, the emotional side of things with uh, one campfire where we try and show what uh, a hunter has in common with a non-hunter because it's, it's so much more than the kill. It's about mm. going out and enjoying the back country and time with family and friends. And I've always said that uh, the most successful hunts I've ever been on, I've never even pulled the trigger because I come back with nothing but memories. Hunters are hikers, we're boaters, we're mountain climbers, we're skiers, we're, 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 we, we love fishing, you, you name it. There's so much more to the entire package. And that's one of the, uh, the things we try and show. It's not just a, a, a blood sport. And that's another thing you see quite constantly is, uh, there's no limits on anything that you, you look and you go, what? It's not like you you turn a corner and all of a sudden there's 15 deer standing there and you get out and you mow them down with your scary AR-15, right? Mm. It's, it doesn't happen. I, mm. I, I live in Prince George and I, I get moose in my front yard and bears in my front yard constantly, but it's not as easy as that because it's about so much more than the hunt, mm. uh, b- b- about so much more than the kill, that the hunt is the process. Right. And there's so much more we're chasing than animals.
0: So one campfire, that's something that wild sheep society has um, supported. And is that. It is wild sheep
2: society. It is a campaign by the wild sheep society. Yes.
0: Okay. And it's been about two years now. I believe it's been running for. Just over. Yes. And do you guys have metrics? Uh, Do you hold metrics and do you uh, have a measuring system for. Uh, measuring the efficacy of the one campfire?
2: Not specifically, it's about getting the message out to uh, as many non hunters as we can with a, a soft core hunting message. Uh, It's, as I said, to show that connection that we shared, that's about more than pulling the trigger. Mm. So it's, you'll see some posts will have a, a bit more veiled hunting nuances in there. Some will be, it, talking about the hiking and the, the tie in with hunting, uh, we have a tasty Tuesdays, which shows uh, wild game usage, uh, wildlife Wednesdays, highlight wildlife and successes hunters have had with rebuilding populations. Like in the 1930s, uh, they, they figured turkeys were going to go extinct. There was less than <laughs> 30,000 across uh, North America. And now there's over right. 7 million. It's, it's, it's crazy that the positive impact hunting has had on the landscape. And that's what we try and show with one campfire that it's about so much
0: more than the kill. Mm. So, and and that definitely shows one side, I think with COVID that there's a huge push for people to want to learn about self sustainability, self-sufficiency. A lot of people want to get into nature and they want to learn about hunting and hunters share an intimate relationship with nature that non hunters would have a very difficult time understanding. I mean, the, the the amount of preparation of learning the land, of learning the animal, of uh, learning how to care for the the game meat afterwards and processing it. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more than just the pulling of the trigger that happens in a fraction of a second. That's right. And I think that one campfire does a great job of showing those other things. I'm wondering if there's a possible way that somebody perhaps much smarter than myself can take the, uh, take the conversation. And I see one campfire as a prong of showing what, uh, uh hunters do. And I see the general trend towards food as being a huge driver for people to be interested in, in wild foraging, fishing mm-hmm. and in hunting. But is there a way to essentially separate, not even have that trophy argument because trophy hunting by whose definition? That's and obviously the problem, there's, yeah. th- there's going to be definitions and those definitions can get twisted. So why don't we just take trophy rate right out of it? Mm-hmm. Take a look at the hunter aspect. Well, look at this guy he poached all those animals. Well, he's not a hunter. Well, of course he's not a hunter, but the non hunters don't see that. Mm-hmm. Take the hunting aspect out of it and maybe go from a perspective of why is it this organization wants to see the caribou die? I mean, Mm -hmm. if I ask a person a question, well, do you still beat your wife? How do you answer that? (laughs) Right? Well, no. Okay. So you stopped, right? Well, yes. Oh, so you're a wife beater. Got it. I mean, (laughs) essentially that's a position that hunters are currently in. And so talking about a trophy hunting and talking about defending these different hunting practices, in my opinion, is a losing battle. And maybe that will form the science side that'll back up an argument, but a more offensive approach and it's not coming out and calling names or, or, or anything like this or the death threats that you were receiving, but it's really systematically drilling down into the other side and taking a look at what the end goal is. And if science supports that, Hey, guess what? They're going to have a bunch of hunters that that'll get in behind it. Mm -hmm. But if they're actively saying that science doesn't support it, who wants to be labeled as an eco-terrorist or, (laughs) I mean, essentially (laughs) an irrational, irrational individual. And my, my way of thinking goes that that's sort of the approach that needs to be taken. A, A way to maybe hire a PR company to reframe what is actually happening into something that is palatable and understandable by the general public and maybe hire a law firm because I did in my research notice that the other side seems to be doing both of those things with great success. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Pro problem bit is, uh, we we do have great PR people in uh, our wings with Wild Sheep. Uh, however, the problem is is we we don't have the pocketbooks like them. <laughs> we'll be blunt, right? We're we're volunteer run. We have what Greg two paid employees.
1: Yep, two two paid employees two. and you know, eleven hundred members. So yeah, our, and our we yeah, our money's not as, not as not there. Mm. Yeah, Those but one
0: hundred and fifteen thousand hunters.
1: Yeah. exactly
2: we we can't get a we can't get ten thousand hunters to sign up to protect the the privilege to hunt right now as you said hunters Mm. can't come together to uh to agree on what's the best firearm for using in in a season you still see people well no i'm a bow hunter well i'm a rifle hunter well i'm a shotgun hunter well how dare you shoot that two point buck it was legal but you should hold out and wait for a mature buck get rid of the doe season there's a wolf call on right now. Well, don't shoot anything you can't eat. I can keep going on and on and on and on, and <laughs> hunters hunters can be our, uh, our our own worst enemies. And dude, uh, you, you nailed it was saying we have a PR problem. We've we've uh, we've known that for years, and it, it's tough to to take a narrative back from the masses that has been so well executed against us, and especially when you're facing organizations that have got seemingly endless pocketbooks and, uh, lawyers on retainer.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I, I look at on the firearms side, there's a ongoing court challenge at the moment for the OIC firearms prohibition that Mm -hmm. came out and firearms owners said, I know what we're going to do. We're going to get a petition bill E two, three, four, one, and we're going to get people to sign this and what are we going to ask for? Democratic process. Yes. We want the government to at least debate the banning of certain firearms or not yep. before passing it through. That's, that's all we're right. asking for. This petition got the largest number of signatures of any E, I don't know if it's any petition, but definitely any E petition in Canadian yep. history. And the result of that was, eh, that's it. Yep. Oh, thanks guys. Next. And I have to wonder. the same approach, if, if hunters and a lot of hunters will not, uh, put themselves in the same boat as the people fighting on E two, three, four, four, one, or the OIC firearms put, uh, prohibition, cause they say, I'm a waterfowl hunter. It doesn't affect me that's and it. well, maybe it does. Right. But with the current trend that's happening that you're going to see in the news, there's a lot of people that are starting to pick up and say hold on a second, if they can ban firearms through order and council, yep. just without any debate, what would happen to my other pro- personal property that I own? Mm-hmm. And the firearms uh, advocacy, advocacy groups have been working very hard to find a relationship between that and something that the general public can get That's behind right. and understand. That's right. And for hunters in British Columbia, I think a process of divorcing the hunters from the actual conversation completely and take a look at something that the general public can get behind as a, uh, something that makes sense. Well, hold on a second. If they ban predator hunting based off of social license Mm -hmm. to operate or social license to hunt, which the, the social license, uh, to operate really speaks for a group of individuals, but not all of the individuals. And it's usually the most vociferous group that's going to say, Hey, we, we, we hold the moral high ground, right? Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the people say, I could care less, right? I'm not a hunter. Hey, sounds good. That's a nice looking wolf over there. Yep. So if, if hunters are able to reframe exactly what it is that the other side is trying to say in a factual way Mm -hmm. and really point out, uh, what that is and why and make it applicable, I think it would be a heck of a lot easier. Oh and, I and that yeah, yeah I
2: totally get it. I when it comes to e petitions, I was the one behind two five seven six, the democratic okay. process that had sixty thousand and I got right. the uh the, the pushback of eh and essentially that's what's that's what's happening to us right now as hunters, right? We can have mm. the loudest voice online in our own little community. But if we can't get that social license out there in the non hunters, because if if you want to break it down, uh, uh, demographically, what we're, we have 5 million people in BC, Mm. give or take, and we got 115,000. And if you take away even half that are against large carnivore hunting, we're down to Mm. 50,000. And we're, we're, we're this much of the population and we know that we don't hold the votes. Even right. if every single hunter signed, we don't hold the votes. We need that swing of the 80% on the fence. We need mm. to show them that we're not the bad guys, that we truly care about wildlife. Right. And it's, that's, that's the uphill battle we've been facing. Like I said, 30, 40 years ago, it was commonplace to see deer
0: on the hood of a car. You do that now and whole oh boy. But showing them that we're not the bad guys is defensive again. That's right. Is there an offensive approach? And maybe, like I say, maybe a listener will come in and mm-hmm. by offensive something that's clear and easily looked at by any side, and will stand on its own on its own merits, not something that has to be talked about secretly in the background, no, for and sure. not not some mud mudslinging campaign. But it seems to me that a, a proper offensive approach definitely needs and, to to and come in, like a, a pivot.
2: And that's where it gets tough. Uh, we, We've had people say. Uh, there's been some great graphics that have circulated in the hunting community of this is what a wolf really is like, where you've got a cow moose standing in a puddle with her cow, with her little calf, and there's six or seven wolves around it showing that, well, they're not all magical, mystical beings that ride rainbows, right? As they're portrayed, Mm. they're, they're wild animals. We know that Mm. it's just, how can you show the non-hunting public the truth behind these mystical beings? There's. There's another great one that circulates in the hunting community of a polar bear. Greg knows the one that I'm talking about where it's uh, committed infanticide, where it's holding the head of a two month, three month old cub because Mm. it's just killed it because it wants to, that's right, because it just killed the, the cub because it wants to breed mom again and send her into an estrus cycle. Mm. Problem becomes is how do we put the reality of nature out there without almost
0: being offensive, right? It's uh, it's an ugly battle. Maybe it's not so much a reality of nature, but maybe the reality of the argument that's being used against hunters and the reality of the other side, if all of a sudden the other, the people who would look to ban hunting based on the fact that it doesn't hold the moral high mm-hmm. ground are shown to be essentially terrorists and their approach. <laughs> let's right. get, let, let, let's get everybody together. <laughs> let's stage whatever photos we can. Let's get as much social outcry, <laughs> right? Uh, let's make death threats. And if that picture is painted and we just, I, I mean. We've, we've, uh, I know I personally have,
2: and Greg has as well. We've got pages of death threats of screenshots that we've had against, uh, hunters and anglers and sports shooters. And we've, we've shipped them to the media. We, I had one local media person that, that had the balls a couple of years ago to cover it and mm-hmm. it didn't go anywhere beyond that. Well, the the, the the police agencies will generally say, unless you feel a direct threat, we can't act on it. Well, right. that person lives in England. They're just venting, mm-hmm. block mm-hmm. them. So it, it's, it's tough and it's, I yeah, it's just I almost feel like we're spinning our wheels when it comes to how we, we show that we're we're not as bad. And there's there's a uh, a YouTube video out there that I gotta find again. It's a Paul Watson from uh, Greenpeace, and he's in an interview, kind of off the cuff with somebody, and it goes back. Oh, this must be mid '80s, and he says something to the effect of, "When we want to raise money, we'll." we'll go after wolves or bears because they're the ones people will grab onto and we can turn this into a money-making campaign. Something like that gets out there, but the problem is, is getting the mainstream media to run with it without, uh, without any spin. We've, uh, we've had Ah. some, we've, we've had some great media coverage out there and you read, you read, you read, you're like, all right, all right. Holy crap. They did it. And then they spun Mm. it into something that it really truly wasn't. So, I don't know, Greg, what are your thoughts on uh, how something like that could be done? Like I said, Greg and I admin pages where there's probably 200,000 people between us. So, we see, we see it all in the hunting mm. community.
1: The, the, the one that, uh, with Travis, you being from the lower mainland as well, the, the cougars in Poco right now. Sure. And, you know, conservation officers have put down a couple of those cougars, and the backlash that they've gotten on social media they're getting death threats and you know people are upset that they're killing the cougars that are coming into their neighborhoods stalking their children, killing their mm-hmm. pets. But mm. they're monsters for protecting the people. So where where do we grasp the emotional ground to to take these take on the anti-hunters? When, That's right. you know, they're so upset about being protected from cougars, like we're monsters for putting down a problem animal in your neighborhood, in your backyard, that's taking a puppy off a leash while someone's walking it. Like, like you can't, you can't argue with those people. And, and then, well, if you what do, would Mama
0: Bear do if if it was coming after her cubs? I mean, we are a part of. The whole natural process and we have stuck our finger in the dish of water and we cannot expect not to see ripples.
2: Yeah. Nailed it. Oh, exactly. Great. And that's, that's the disconnect. People, they go, let nature balance itself. Well, we are nature. Mm. Wrap your head around that we're part of nature and it might make it easier, right? Like that's, that's a way we could possibly approach it, right? Remember we are a part of nature and as such, you do have an impact, right? Whether whether or not you're vegan pescatarian vegetarian or full-on carnivore in order for us to live something has to die whether or not you do it by your own hand or somebody else's hand you've you're you're killing something in order to have and to to live on this planet and it's just as hunters we we choose to take out the middleman right and uh Mm -hmm. we we try to connect with our food as much as possible and it's yeah it's about it's about that connection and trying to show it as much as possible and not be offensive, but be real. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough battle and it's, uh, there's, there's a couple of people out there that have got similar sort of ideas. Uh, Greg will know Robbie, uh, Robbie Kruger. He says that, uh, we're pushing a stone uphill with our shoulder and Mm. it's, it, we're, we're going to continue to do it as people are pushing the mud down the hill, we're still trying to push it up. Right. So it's tough. It really is. Yeah.
0: I, I think from the hunting perspective, yes, definitely. But you take a look at the Teltan and they've said oh, yeah, look Chad. At Gri Grizzlies are out of control. Yep. Uh we're gonna have to start culling them. You look at the paper that Chris wrote, Oh, indigenous groups, we just they they've got an inalienable right. That's right. If we take a look at this logic, how is it that they have a right and non indigenous don't? And if the indigenous have a right, at what point does their social license to operate expire? But you, you look at the, um, New Zealand sharpshooper shooters that were brought in on the Haida Gwaii just to, to call the animals, all the, uh, uh, Sitka's out there. That's right. You look at, uh, the amount of commercial fishing that we do, Mm -hmm. the larger grizzly bear population that they're bringing fish out for them to eat because they say all these grizzly bears are starving in certain areas. Like. At some point we have to put rules and regulations in place that will affect how we interact with nature because we are an apex predator That's right, and, and, and we're a part of this, but by completely turning a blind eye and shutting down certain areas of the management, we're too far into this game to be able to do that. And we do need mm-hmm. to take a scientific approach to be able to manage this properly for generations to come. But the messaging, and I I, I agree a thousand percent on the science, but the messaging, I think has to be approached from an emotional standpoint if you're having an emotional argument.
2: That's right. Yeah. I've I've said in uh, conversations to our committee that uh, we're, we're, we've got a scientific uh, approach to an emotional argument Mm. and it's, you can, uh, you can put it in front of people that it's a scientifically managed hunt. Like it, it, let, let, let's, let's step back just a sec. If we, we all saw the, the polls on the grizzly bear hunt, do you support the grizzly bear trophy hunt? Right. <laughs> That's how it was worded. Imagine right. how it would change if it said, do you support a science based grizzly hunt? Mm-hmm. I imagine you, you might not have had the 95% against and a 5% for, you might've had a 50, 50. So it's about. It's about showing that there's a science involved in the hunting process. So we still, we, we, we still have to show that it's managed because as I said, there's, there's people out there that believe it's a free for all that there's no Mm. licenses, there's no seasons. Uh, as soon as you hit hope, you can go out and just blast anything you want. And there's no meat requirements. There's no age age for hunting. You can have your two-year-old out there shooting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we still need mm-hmm. to incorporate some of the, 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 scientific evidence. I won't say it's an argument cause it really isn't, it's a scientific evidence that uh, mm-hmm. hunting is managed by seasons and science, but you're, you're correct. We have to appeal to that emotional, that emotional trigger with some people, pardon the par- firearms pun, uh, <laughs> but in, in that's that that's the aim of one campfire. We we try and show that science with the emotion in there as well. And yeah, if, if we had an unlimited budget, we'd love to to dump tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars into retaining a, a lawyer that could just say, You could go this far, but you can't quite and you know what I mean and mm-hmm. yep. and push push the way they do. And uh yeah, it's the, it, it It's a tough argument to win when our, uh, as they're going to say, our ultimate goal is to kill something, right? Because that's, that's what they see hunting as, right? We go out there to kill. So it's, what it's
0: if, tough. What if the science is used to make an emotional argument, like for example, take a look at the science of what happens if the wolves, a ban is put on and wolves can't be hunted anymore. What happens to the caribou population? Okay. What happens to the population of other animals in those areas? And then a year later. What happens to that thriving wolf community when there isn't any food for them to be able to survive and then sort of look at it down the way from a science-based approach Mm -hmm. and then use the emotional argument. Why would you want to see all of these wolves starve to death? Why would you want to see an entire population of caribou eradicated? Would you support that? Why are you guys supporting that? I don't know it's
2: yeah we've we've we tried similar uh approaches like that but it's you'll see Chris and his crew immediately re uh rebut the science that shows that they we disagree with that science and then all of a sudden their their crowd goes oh yeah they're wrong we know that there's uh another article coming out shortly with uh that against Chris's paper they, it's you'll have your you're pro hunting, you're pro hunting scientists on one side and you have your anti-hunting scientists on the other side and they're forever jousting and they're forever Mm -hmm. uh, in a tug of war. So the, 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 the the ugly part about using science uh, to base 100% of an argument on is whose science are you going to listen to? Right. Right. Whose science is best. So yeah, it's, it's as Robbie says, you're putting your shoulder into a rock and you're trying to push it uphill. And as I said, we're never going to change the mind of a hundred percent of the people, but if we can change the mind out of one out of 10, that person can change another and that person can change another. And we'll, we'll just keep pushing the way we can. Mm. And yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear some ideas from, uh, from listeners on what they feel is a, is a realistic approach. Mm. Yeah, Like that one that we could put smart goals on and and stuff like that. Right. It's, we, we need to be, we we need to throw a wide net, but we also need to dial it down to be specific
0: for the cause. Mm -hmm. And the science, what was it? Disraeli was supposed to have said there's lies, damn lies and statistics. Statistics. Yep. Um, okay. Like I said, had some thoughts on it, had an idea, definitely didn't have it fully fleshed out. I appreciate it. And I mean, this is everyone's, Oh, this oh yeah! everyone's in everybody's interest to, uh, to put their heads together is. and think on it.
2: Absolutely. It is because it, it's the same battles affecting the firearms community right now. You have your, your three gun and your, your IPSC and all that, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you don't, uh, when you can't even come together on, well, what's, let me put you on a spot here. What's better? Uh, Glocker 1911, right? Like, right. right? oh God, well, no, 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 I like that. I like that, right? No, it's a <laughs> firearm. You take one away, the other one's going to follow. Right? Right. And that's, we're in the same sort of argument and it's, it's, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I,
0: I definitely think a reframe needs to happen. On the firearm side, it always gets me. You say Glocker 1911, but what's the difference between a rifle, shotgun, or a pistol other than your size? Exactly. Your rifle is going to do much more damage than your pistol is, but mm-hmm. and it's a mental perception around firearms based on media and based what's been uh, put forward. I think we're at a unique, we do have a unique opportunity with COVID and with the current state of affairs here with the way everyone's thinking about stockpiling and self-sufficiency yeah. to be able to have a more receptive audience people who might otherwise say, what do I care about hunting to well, hold on a second. Maybe it. I, maybe I want to have some animals around here for my kids to be able to mm-hmm. see, and w- maybe that is a more sustainable way of our, our livelihood. So exactly. I, I think that might present something as well. I don't know. It's, well,
2: it's, it's a tough one to get out there to the big, uh, the, the, the big picture, right? When you can't get media to cover the good side of what it is, right? They're, they'll grab on to the, the the negative of the poachers. Oh, he shot two moose. Well, you know what? If you look at a hundred thousand hunters, 98,000 of them are going to condemn them for it. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. you're going to latch onto those, those two. Mm-hmm. So it's tough.
0: Well, I'm going to put links up on our website and on social media where people can learn more about the wild sheep society, learn more about how they can submit their letter and, and be involved with their MLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I was talking with. Jenny Lee, she was yep. with Back Country Anglers. Hunters and Anglers, yep. yes, and uh, she works on the social media side and she mentioned, you know, hey, if you've got a small social media feed, you only have like 25 friends on there, don't think you can't make a difference. The That's algorithm right. on social media is set up in such a way that it wants to give you a wider play to essentially draw you into the, mm-hmm. the social media structure. So tell your story, right? That's right. Maybe not the grip. Maybe not the gripping grins, right? But tell the story about the blisters on your feet. Tell the story, similar to what one campfire is doing. Mm -hmm. And then there is, um, it was Jesse Zeman who was talking about, go see, meet with your MLA, right? Manage your social feed, uh, Venice and diplomacy, share your meat with your neighbors. And that's where Shane Mahoney says on the wild harvest initiative, it's like the. The food is the binding, the end That's product, right. the end result of it. Yeah, and fi- finally, be a mentor, take That's people right. out.
2: Yeah, I got so a th- buddy. Those of, buddy of mine, he and I actually went to to kindergarten together, and so we're going back forty some odd years. He lives in Delta, so okay. I'm, right
0: next door with us, eh?
2: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, about three years ago, I posted a picture of a bear. Yeah, and I get a private message from him, and usually it's. So I post a picture of a bear and if I get a message about it, it's why'd you do that? Right. Oh, Mm. and it gives me a chance. It opens the door, but he approached me and he says, so I've always been curious about hunting. Right. Out come my claws, Mm. so to speak, see if I can sink, sink them in. We were in cadets (laughs) together. We did survival school. We did all the fun stuff together. We camped, you name it, but we hadn't seen each other in person in probably 25 years. So. I sent him a care package of bear. And so that's three years ago, long story short, this would be his third year of COVID, uh, disappears of restrictions open up of him coming up here hunting. He's now got his core. He's taken three bears. Uh, he's got, he's an ipsic shooter. Now he's got his pal. So that wow. all it takes is that opening that door for that conversation and reacting right. He's written a story about his first hunt with one camp for one campfire. He shares his story. He's got his neighbor now who's got his core, never hunted, but opened that door with, hey, go, go pound on the door and here's some game meat. And his, uh, the neighbor's wife said, don't you dare bring bear over here. Guess what? Now it's a staple in their house. <laughs> I so love it. You, you open and that door to a know, conversation. E- and even
0: if they're friends. That's right. Sorry, go ahead. That's right.
2: You open that, that conversation, right? Open that door. Uh, Venison diplomacies. you can't say it any better than that, right? You, you never know uh, uh, who a hunter is, right? They're mm-hmm. not always what you think. And that's one of the campaigns we got going with iHunt, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, for, for one campfire, it's called I Hunt, and it's meant to blow stereotypes out of the water. So check okay. it out, check it out on our Facebook. You'll see a pinned post there and you watch it and you'll go, oh my God. I had no idea that person was a hunter and it make, it's meant to make you go, hmm, scratch your head and go, I wonder if that person's a hunter. I wonder if that person's a hunter. And we've, uh, I actually saw the first draft of our latest one that I storyboarded today. It's, I'm stoked for it. It's going to have some huge outreach. So we're, we're building, building the outreach that way as well. So yeah, as as you said, venison diplomacy, get people out there.
0: That's a good idea. You know, bring it out of the shadows and even if other people aren't interested in getting into hunting, their friends and family, that's right. their friends and family will say, Hey, this individual comports himself in an admirable way. I like how this person is that's in their daily life. And they happen to be a hunter. Yeah. I now know a hunter. They're a good person. And that's exactly what I, the I hunt
2: campaign for one campfire mm-hmm. is about. It's about showing, showing like the, the closing, the closing line is if I say I hunt, am I what you'd picture? We're not as different as you may
0: think. Mm. It's meant to make you go, Hmm. Interesting. I had no idea, so. Well, an interesting endeavor. Is there anything else we should talk about before we start looking at wrapping up here?
1: What do you think, Greg? Well, I think we've pretty much covered ACT now, so.
0: Oh yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, no, uh, appreciate you reaching out to us and, uh, giving us uh, a sounding board, so to speak.
0: 100%. I appreciate you listening to some of my harebrained thoughts that I. Have I sit up late at night trying to think of solutions for things, but hopefully somebody else out there might say, you know what, Trav, you're kind of on the right track, but tweak it or have a completely different idea. And if they do have an idea, how do they contact you?
2: You can email us at exec, E-X-E-C at wildsheepsociety.com and put in the, the, the header, silver core podcast or, or whatever expletive you want, you're way off base, just feedback is great. Yep. Reach out to Beautiful. us on Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we're available and we'd love to hear feedback of uh, where you think uh, we need to go with this. Any ideas?
1: Yeah, we're, we're open for any ideas anybody's got. We want to hear them because we're yeah, drawn absolutely. blank sometimes too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the Silvercore podcast and sharing this important information with our listeners.
1: Thanks again Travis. Thank you for